God okay. damn it, there's a test today. I didn't study. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. That's yours and mine. And I is your host, Adam Campbell, because I speak in the truth, correctically. Jesus Christ. Correct. <laughs> Fuck it. We have a wonderful show for you this week. Uh, we, as in Jesse and me. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm having a hard time today. No, it is blistering hot here i'm just drenched in sweat right now that's just so sexy thank you for sharing <laughs> it's sexy until you could smell it and you're like not, so, <laughs> not sexy anymore all right so it is july 6th and we have a fantastic show for you this week again okay so fourth of july what'd you do i went up to my in-laws oh yeah Watched a parade. These, yeah. these good in-laws or bad in-laws? Oh, fun in-laws. Oh, cool. My family's weird, but my, my husband's family <laughs> is cool. <laughs> nice. So the parade. Do they throw candy at your parade? Yes, they do. It is totally an old school parade. That's awesome. That is awesome. We don't get that here. Like they're used, I, growing up, there were like, you know, there's little sort of, you know, 50 cent toys and candies and stuff that were thrown out, balloons. Every once in a while you get this weird, creepy clown that's like doing like little like animal balloons and stuff running up and down. But like there's nothing now. It's just <laughs> sad to say it is Mormons in cars waving their hand like a beauty pageant person as if they are someone of note. <laughs> I don't understand it. And that's the parade. Like that's the parade. I don't no, we've got, uh, there's, there's like two bands that compete every year. Um, what? Like, you know, like, like old school, like with the coronets and, and snare drum and, and. Oh, right, right. Bands, bands. And, and there's a couple of schools that march and there's like a Cub Scout thing and, uh, they, you know, they start with the military and they end with the classic cars. And this year we were talking classic about it. Car. This, this year was the first year that we haven't seen the old lady in a while. And the old lady last year, I think, was like 94, and she gets in the parade with her walker, and she's got, like, streamers and balloons, <laughs> and she what? just walks. And the fact that this little old lady, and she's tiny, man, the fact that she's walking up the hill in the parade, that matters. <laughs> Hell yeah. But she wasn't in it this year, so now we're all worried she's dead. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> her ghost is going to haunt the parade from now on. <laughs> Everyone out of the corner of their eye is going to see a little old lady in a little walker. I swear she was there. No, I, that's amazing. Our, our shit sucks. It's, it's gotten to the point where we just don't go. And if we go, it's usually the wife taking the kids up to Wyoming to her family and letting them sort of see the, the parade up there. Because Utah, as far as parades go, blows. And I, there's always, like, the, you know, they take crazy pride in it, but... Look, all the kids really want, and let's be honest, the parade is for the kids, it's not for the adults. What the hell do the adults care 
about a car driving by that they've seen annually for a decade or fucking longer. But it, it just gets, grows exponentially, the, the parade length, and then they don't, like, they take away the good part of it. And so it's just cars and poorly decorated cars <laughs> going down the road. I don't understand. And then, you know, obviously you're going to get the police officer motorcycle cadre, like, doing their turns. But it's it's motorcycles turning around. I don't know how interesting that really is or I'm sure they have to practice their turns because they're kind of tight and in unison, but let's be honest, it's just turning a motorcycle. I don't understand what's so fucking exciting about this. I mean, just parades suck. They're just so depressing. It's like we're trying to trying to latch on to a time in our, our distant ancestral past, you know, maybe two generations ago, and you know, where it was like something new because there was no HBO or Showtime to look forward to. So this was like the one time you could get out and see your neighbors and see people you haven't seen across town and, and see the sort of the, the mayor or the governor who at that time you didn't have immediate access to via Twitter or Facebook or C-SPAN if you're one of the three people that watch that. So <laughs> it's just... It's weird, right? Like, is it something that we need anymore? Well, see, the thing is, what you're describing is what used to be the parade. That's what I go to. The state representative was in the parade. There you go. And and we don't <laughs> have, there's there's no cops in the parade because there just aren't enough cops in the area. But they did have oh, old really? fire trucks. They did have the oh. old fire trucks. That's cool. Do they, like, shoot water at any point? <laughs> that would be awesome. Dude, yeah, that'd be so cool if just they just unleashed on the crowd, every, you know, like three minute bursts. <laughs> just every three minutes, they just unleash the crowd, like the water on the crowd. That'd be well, great. Well, see, the thing is, there's not that much of a crowd either, so it's not it's not like you have to like find a, a place where you can see. Just spread really? out a little further down the road. It, it, there's no like people standing behind other people. It's just kind of like single file along the road. Whoa. Yeah, we got people that camp out the night before just to get the good spots in the parade. And it is just like a mile long weaving its way through Salt Lake City. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, well, that's the difference between Salt Lake City and small towns in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> I must go to small town. Yeah, and that's where the, the wife takes the kids, too, is the small town in, in Wyoming. So maybe that's the key. That's the ticket right there, people. You want a good parade? Go to small town. Otherwise, it's going to suck. And not to mention, like, the last time I went... Oh, this is so fucking annoying. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now. There was this dude that walked past a mom, a mom as in she had a child. I assumed it was hers, uh, like, you know, knee high, standing at her feet, and she was up there smoking. And he stops, turns to her and says, put that out. You're going to poison your kid. And she's like, what? It's a free country. I can smoke if I want to smoke. He's like, you're poisoning the air that we all breathe in. Don't you understand? Collectively, you're killing everyone else. Put out your cigarette. And she's like, no. <laughs> Fuck you. He's like, if you don't put that out, you're going to force me to do something drastic. So that's where I stand up. I turn around and start taking, like paying attention as if I'm actually going to intervene at some point. <laughs> and uh, she takes this long, slow, movie-like drag, staring him <laughs> deep in the eye and blows it out in his face. And he smacks it out of her hand. And out of nowhere, this four and a half foot dude that she later referred to as dad barreled out of a, this little building nearby and just jumps in this dude's face. He's like screaming and yelling. I was like, this is 
this is probably like the greatest thing that could have ever happened. Like this is so much more interesting than the parade that just is occurring behind me. Like I will never come to a parade again unless it is to watch the bystanders interact with you. You have this clash of the crazy, insane religious people with the regular human beings on the planet. <laughs> and like they just can't, they can't rationalize it. So you have freaks walking up and down the, um, uh, the sidewalk behind the people that are right next to the road watching the parade with these gigantic protest signs talking about how gay homosexuals are gay homosexuals are going to hell they're sinners and how god hates them and you have just like every crazy religious nut that what i'm starting to talk myself into going back to the parade actually you know like, your parades sound much wilder than ours <laughs> I'm starting to actually want to go to the parades again. The, huh. the, the big excitement this year was there was one lady on horseback because they had horses in the parade, and her horse just would go sideways, it would go backwards, it would not go <laughs> forwards. <laughs> He's like, uh, nah, I, I'm going to fuck with you, old lady. Yeah, so we were, we were all, all a little concerned that the horse would get out of control and you know we'd have to run or something, <laughs> but that was the big excitement for the parade. Wow. I, total, I totally want to see some lady, though, with, you know, just like, you have to put that cigarette out and, like, takes it and goes to put it out on the guy's chest. Oh, then yes. see him back away. <laughs> you got it right on the forehead. Okay, another crazy side note that I just thought of saying that. I had a buddy. I was in uh, Augusta, Georgia on training. Uh, this was over a fucking decade. This was a long time ago. Um, this buddy of mine... Uh, Nah, I won't say his name. He used to put cigars out on his chest. Like, on his chest! Like, we'd be drinking beer. He always, for some weird reason, smoked cigars. I was smoking at the time, so I was just smoking a cigarette. And, like, when he was done and he was drunk, he would just right on his fucking chest. Like, what maniac put, like, willingly. Like, this is something he just did. Like, normally just did. I don't get that. That's fucked up. Uh, just reminded me of it. You, <laughs> that's these are the people I meet in life. These, these, this is the herd people. This is the fucking herd people who put cigarettes out on their fucking chest. How crazy, crazy. Yeah, and his wife. Oh god damn, I'm just fucking unloading here. His wife like really wanted to sleep with me. She was uh, a a stripper, and it wasn't just me. I say that as if I'm something special. I mean, she really just loved sleeping with men that weren't her husband. And so she, like, she slept with a couple other guys in the unit, and it was just like, she was such a fucking whore. Like, this was the most diseased couple I'd ever met in my life. Cigarette, or cigars out on his chest, and just a whore that slept around on her husband. And he knew about it! Like, maybe that's why he did the cig cigars on his chest, like, the pain. <laughs> he just couldn't deal with life? I don't know, it's just weird. That is bizarre. <laughs> Alright, well, maybe this is enough. Maybe we should talk about the show. <laughs> So fucked up. All right, so in The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be jumping back here to the satanic statements once again. And this time, we're going with the seventh. That's right. And an infernal informant, woman, <laughs> woman, singular, punished for being too good looking, she says, after going on shopping spree with city council money. And Obama's irresistible, irre, irre not resistible, but sponsible <laughs> taunt. I don't know what's wrong with me today. President increasingly willing to go it alone. And in I Dream of Jesse, that's right, Jesse is blessing us with a presence. 
So we're going to get episode 13, Guilt and Shame. What's this one called? This is part four, Group Living for Non-Joiners. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And we're going to close it out with a little old Nick Peep show. So that's going to do that for the show. How about we start The Devil's Advocate right now? Sounds good. In nominated in Thomas is a very In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king, though I am an active member, I do not speak for the church of Satan. All right, Jesse. Do you remember the seventh satanic statement? Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his divine, spiritual, intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. I'm going to take that as yes, you remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Was that a yes or no question? (laughs) (laughs) Verbatim. Nice. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. So I love this quote because this is sort of the go-to, um, how do Satanists, uh, look at humanity response for me. I got this, uh, wolf's hook tattooed on my wrist to remind me of this specific statement. I absolutely adore it. And I do this because I'm one of those weirdos that when (laughs) my kids have actually picked up on this and it's kind of annoying when they do it, but I can only blame myself for it. Uh, when they get upset, like I growl, it's stupid. I don't know why I do it, but I fucking grab like, like a dog. Like I, I got, if, if I stub my toe or if someone's being an asshat, I just do a little, what are you, you know, like just like a little like deep throat thing. Whoa. Good thing I'm not hosting with the Dean on that one. <laughs> deep throat thing. What? What? <laughs> what? So I just, it's just this weird primal thing. It's my way of saying I'm about to respond negatively and I hope you're prepared for my response. So now my kids are doing it too. It's really funny. But it, it, it's that, it's that I notion that I, I embrace wholeheartedly. And I, I always, I get caught between these two worlds here because on one hand, there's this um, common phrase that I hear probably all too often that the devil's a gentleman. A gentleman is cultured. A gentleman is uh, refined. But we are all fucking animals. So in your opinion, Jesse, what makes us the most vicious animal of all? Ooh, um... Okay, uh, let's say the second most vicious animal in the world is a cat, which might not be, but I have a cat, so I'm very familiar with this. <laughs> and okay. my cat will bring in a live mouse, and I'll grab the cat, and the cat's got the mouse in its mouth, and we'll carry it outside so that the mouse doesn't get loose in the house. And I'll stay outside with the cat while she plays with this dying mouse. And that's pretty fucking vicious. And sometimes she doesn't even eat the mouse. She just wants to play with it and torture it and kill it. And cats do this. But then I read about, say, the Inquisition. And that just takes viciousness to a whole different level because there's... The cat isn't, like, trying to justify it. The cat is just doing it. It's not trying to come up with a a moral explanation. Not Not just an explanation, but a moral imperative to do it. And that's where we come in. That's where we say it's not just that we feel compelled to do it. It's 
it's that everyone should feel compelled to do this horrible thing because we're now calling it a religion or, mm. you know, we're now calling it science. That's where we get so totally fucked is that we can convince ourselves that even if we don't even want to do the cruel and vicious thing, that it's the right thing to do. And I think that's what makes us the worst. That's an interesting point. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down the right thing um, phrase there for just a second. So I was watching a show with my son, um, actually The Patriot. I don't know why I said show. I was watching The Patriot with my son, which if you guys haven't seen The Patriot, it's just uh, it's your typical Mel Gibson period piece movie. I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. Um, and he was like, well, who's who's the good guys and who's the bad guys, the red coats or the blue coats? And it's about the Revolutionary War, if you haven't seen it, um, loosely. Uh, and uh, I was like, well, there's no such thing. <laughs> He's like, well, what do you mean? Like, who's who's the good guy in the film? I'm like, well, it depends on your point of view. Like, they're, they were all once King George's men, so they were all once redcoats. They decided to be bluecoats, so is that good? They're killing their old patriots. Is that good? So it, it's all relative. Like, you have to just... Put yourself in the position that these individuals are in and decide for yourself who's good and who's bad. And they ended up thinking that the blue coats were the good ones, uh, the American revolutionaries, probably because that's the hero of the show. Uh, but I, you know, I, I just wanted to say that there, there's no such thing as good and bad. Like it's all manufactured. And just to pay off what you're saying there, um, with the uh, moral justifications, even if we don't want to do it. We do truly, you're absolutely right. We, we create situations that force what would normally be incomprehensible behavior and, and convince people to fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good reason for being the most vicious animal. Yeah, like think about how many, how many parents in the history of humanity have said, I hate to do this. This is hurting me more than it's hurting you as they like put a belt to their kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. I, I don't know if that's so much for them. If it's just to make the statement to the kid, like I, <laughs> I really am not looking forward to this, but I'm going to beat your ass right now. <laughs> or, or if it's a way to deflect that the people who do actually beat their children deflect their enjoyment. But it's it. like a, a cat wouldn't toy with a mouse if the cat didn't want to. Yeah. But a human being will belt their own child, even if they don't want to, just because they believe it's the correct thing to do. Wow. Okay, so this is really interesting. Okay, so it's not the act. It's the willingness to do the act. Right. Is that... We're we're not just we're not just cruel because we have instincts to be cruel at times, as all animals do. We're cruel because we get can get convinced by words written on a page to be cruel, even when we don't feel like it. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever looked at it that way before. Huh. How fucked so, are okay. we? <laughs> what was that? How fucked are we? <laughs> I think that's really that's that's really cool. I'm really glad I, I brought this up today. <laughs> so I, I've always loved this because um, you're saying that um, one of the reasons why we're the most vicious animal of all is because we do we we behave uh, against our natural will in cases because of some created 
uh, moral directive or, or agenda or, or dogma that is spread by the rest of us. And um, I think another reason why we're the most vicious animal of all is because we we try to convince ourselves that we're not just animals and thereby create those uh, moral codes that are in stark contrast to our natural way of being. We We just... We want to be so much bigger than we actually are and have so much more control than we actually do over not just our minuscule world, but life itself, that we have to create these little codes, these little rules in order to have some sort of order in what would otherwise be a pretty chaotic place on this earth. Um, I think that's one of the reasons, and that spurs what you were just speaking to as well. Um, so... Where do you think we could find, and maybe not we could find, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get a period of discovery here, but what do you think that line is that, that separates man's uh, need to be refined, the seeming need that we've created for ourselves, and um, the true evolutionary need to be the animals that we are? Like, like, is there a line that we can sort of identify and try to walk, or is it just kind of skewed? I don't know if it's so much of a line as shades of gray, because um, in studies of primates, they found that primates are quite capable of deceiving each other. And if you're capable, if, if you're capable of deceiving another of your kind, you're capable of deceiving yourself. And I think a lot of the, the viciousness of humanity involves self-deception. So I'm not sure if, like in, in chimpanzees, is there self-deception that leads to cruelty? Probably, just not to the same extent as human beings. So I don't, I don't know that it's necessary, necessarily a line that divides us between, you know, that divides us from all other animals so much as because of the way we've evolved, it's just... A gap where chimpanzees can only be this cruel and, and bonobos can only be this cruel, whereas we can be way more cruel than they can. This is really fucking cool. All right, so evolution in and of itself, our evolution from Homo sapien to Homo sapien sapien, uh, or wh whatever it is, the the complicated growth of our brain that allows us the opportunity of perspective, have perspective over our world, over our thoughts, to deceive others and ourselves. Um, the evolution itself is potentially the, the cause. Like, and if that's, if that's the cause of it, the fact that we are so evolved that we are so removed from our ancestral way of life uh are we do you, and, and this is sort of looking for just having fun are we sort of cursing ourselves through our own evolution like are we dooming ourselves through our own evolution um becoming even more vicious probably i mean i well, i hate to sound all optimistic <laughs> here but yeah probably <laughs> It's interesting because there's there's a number of ways that we doom ourselves and and define ourselves as the most vicious animal. And you know, you, I can't help but think 
of physicality when I read the nine satanic statements. For some reason, when I when I read Anton LaVey's writing, there's this there's this core of bestiality that runs through his writing that, that I think of of, of physical um, grounding. Uh, stark contrast to when I read Magus Gilmore's writing, which it's very much um, uh, thoughtful. It, it's very much in your head. It's not so so physical. It's it's weird the, the juxtaposition. It's oh, actually totally really complementary, though. I totally yeah. Love oh. one and then the other. Absolutely. Um, but so when I when I think of the most vicious animal of all in the context of the Satanic Bible, I'm thinking of crushing men and 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 you know being a, a ruthless predator but our world isn't really that way anymore and so defining ourselves as the most vicious animal of all can be done in a number of ways destroying the one place that we have to live i think is a wonderful way of being the most vicious animal as well we we literally have one place that we can live and yet we destroy it poison it to our own detriment that like we can see how it's going to destroy us and we don't stop our behavior that i think is a really wonderful way of of encapsulating how we're also the most vicious animal of all um our willingness to kill our environment that sustains us um go back to the movie fight club where in the beginning ooh. there he's talking about when a company will or won't do a recall and they apply the formula and they put the math to it. And if it's going to cost more in lawsuits for people who die than it will be to recall and fix the cars, they don't do the recall. That, to me, that's, that's how we've become, or how we are currently the most vicious animals. Statistical justification <laughs> for not doing something that really should be done. Yeah. And we have GM example recently uh, to, to look at, to know that that is a truce. Um, it happens. For, forget red fangs and claws. It's now cornflower blue ties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, and, and so what's really wonderful about this statement is that it lays bare what we as a species has um, really done to ourselves uh, negatively Without having to go, I mean, it's a really wonderful way to distill that message without going into a whole lot of detail. I know, I actually, when I first read this as a young man, I didn't fully grasp what it was talking about. Uh, the way this sentence is structured was confusing to me. And so it took me a little bit to fully piece it together. I may be a fucking retard, but it did, as a young man, take me a little bit to, to fully understand what it was saying. And once I did, all bets were off. I suddenly took a turn for the more sort of, I'm going to call it core um, values uh, and champion them that I found within myself. So, so things that I internally could um, project that I thought would be positive for me, not for others. Uh, and then I sort of pushed away, and at the time it was advertising, ironically enough, the idea um, of external uh, empowerment or um, championing others, because I, I really didn't think, and I still don't, think it's a, a good thing 
to if just for a, a real base example, wear a T-shirt with someone else's logo or a company's logo on it because you're promoting something. You're a billboard for something. They should be paying you. Why the fuck are you wearing a logo T-shirt? Um, and that goes for anything. Why are you wearing it if it does if it's not a part of you? And so I just started wearing non-district. Descript clothing, and I started, uh, you know, embracing uh, those around me a little bit closer, and and, 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 and pushing was, out. And that was when the sale of nine cents T-shirts went to an all-time low. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, buy a nine cents T-shirt. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, you know, that was the point. Just this one statement. It, it did so much for me. It, it really opened up my eyes. I, I had a totally different reaction, actually. Ooh. Um, because it didn't, I read it and I just said, yeah, man, that's, that's what I'm on about. I've been saying that for years. So I was totally on board with it already. But to the same, I, I need to have this tattooed on me somewhere. Because <laughs> even though I've always felt this way, I keep forgetting in my day-to-day interactions. It's like I need this plastered somewhere where I can keep seeing it and reminding myself because I don't, it's like I remember in between interactions, but then when I'm talking to somebody, I forget it and it's to my detriment. Well, that's why, you know, another really wonderful distillation of this notion um, or or maybe a a companion to this is the um, question all things. Uh, phrase that we champion is Satanists. If if you don't want to fall victim, if you do not want to be the most vicious animal, question those around you. Question what they're saying, what they're asking you to do. Um, This goes from your local society uh, to your political and religious leanings. Question all things. And yes, that includes Satanism. Question everything. And if you come up with an answer that works for you, own it. It doesn't mean that just because there's a larger group of people next to you, and this is sort of a peer pressure play, um, that you have to go along with it, you know? I mean, this is kind of, you know, after school show type messages, but you question whether or not what is being suggested works for you. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, move along. Um, and it's not, the goal isn't to separate yourself, um, unless that's your goal, but to separate yourself from the greater um, community of, uh, you know, other human beings on this planet uh, and to, like, you know, Tarzan the rest of your life. The, the message is to just go into life with your eyes open and be the best animal that you can be in our civilized world. And I hope that makes sense, um, because I think it's a really wonderful message that I take away from this seventh satanic statement. How about, Jesse, mm-hmm. we do a little Infernal Informant? Sounds good. Cool. Here we go. Hey, what's going on fast? Uh, Infernal Informant. Get out of the truck. You're out there. So this is from the Daily News by David Harding. Woman punished for being too good looking after going on a shopping spree with city council money. 
A woman who spent more than $85,000 of city council money, wrongly put it into her bank account, wrongly put into her bank account, says she was punished because she's good looking. Michaelia Hutchings splashed out the money on designer shoes, handbugs, handbags, not handbugs, handbags and sunglasses in a shopping spree last year. The money had been accidentally transferred into her account by the Litchfield Council Central England. After being taken to court to pay back the money, the 23-year-old avoided jail after agreeing to return the council's money. But Hutchings claims she would have gotten a slap on the wrist if she hadn't been so (laughs) good-looking. They're punishing me because of the way I look, she reported to the Sun. If I wasn't much to look at and played the card of, oh, I only get this money and I only get so much money and I was in a bit of a sticky situation, I reckon I would have gotten a slap on the wrist and just paid back a fiver a week. (laughs) Among the luxury items she bought were a Gucci and Louis, I don't even, I'm too low class to even know how to pronounce this a Gucci and Louis Vuitton bags and Dior glasses she claims an ex-boyfriend helped her on the spending spree as well oh honey please so awesome okay so again just to reiterate really quick a 23 year old woman had $85,000 put into her bank account she saw it and then just went on a spending spree. And then when she got caught and they were going to throw her in jail or do whatever they do, she <laughs> she play, she said it was her looks that was the reason she was uh, sentenced the way she was. Her looks. Like, they only did it because she was pretty. That's the other thing. What the fuck? That's opposite. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what happens in life. If you're poor and if you're ugly... You will get shit on. If you're beautiful or if you can pretend to be famous, you get a light slap on the wrist. If you're corporate, nothing ever happens. So that's, that's kind of how it works. This is insane. Okay. Okay. Well, well, so let me ask you, because this, this is a tricky situation. I love how she's like, I just pay back a fiver a week. Is that like $5? Because that's a lot of weeks to pay off the $85,000 she spent. Yeah, it is. Okay, so um, for you. Yeah. What would you do if $85,000 was put into your bank account? Call my from boss. From you know you don't have a clue where. Call my boss. Well, I, I assumed she worked for the city council. And that's that, weird because I don't think it ever even really says. Okay. I assumed she worked for the city council and therefore if it were me, I would call my boss. Now, if $85,000 showed up in my bank account and I didn't work for the city council, I would call the bank. I wouldn't assume it was mine just because it suddenly showed up there. And it's, it's so weird. And and let's I'm, say I call the bank and they say, no, no, that's a legitimate deposit. Um, you know, we're having trouble tracking down the source, but yeah, that money is yours. I wouldn't go spending it all right away because I'd still say, you know, there's some question here and I might need to pay it back and I don't want to, you know go and spend it and then have to sell the stuff and sell it for less than I bought it for and then I'm owing money. And even if I spent it all and I got prosecuted for it, if I looked like this lady, I wouldn't go saying it was because I was so beautiful because this lady is not that <laughs> beautiful. Uh, she's so all right. Cute. Yeah, no, I mean, she's, I, you know, it, this article has two photos. Uh, sort of selfies that she took. 
Yeah, she's And you're she's right. Okay. She's she's all right. She's not it looks like she's trying to look like um, you know, some sort of movie star or something, but she's just a regular girl. There's nothing freaking amazing. I I I I hate that we live in a culture where is if you have glossy lips and you have uh, trimmed eyebrows, you are considered a goddess. Oh, and blonde hair. Like, that's not... That's so fucking stupid. Like, we... I I hate that there's a look that people consider beautiful, and, and girls fight to be that look. You know, whatever it is, look du jour. But it, it drives me nuts that that is the... That is the paragon of beauty, and everyone just chases after it their whole lives. Like, can't you just be you? <laughs> can't. This is a woman whose eyeballs face a mirror, and her brain projects an image that is not reality. Yeah, yeah. So, let's be honest. $85,000 being dumped into your bank account, uh, unbeknownst to you, is not the same as finding a 20 on the ground. I am all for... If you are given money to take it, I 100%. But there's got to be a grace period. Like, you you have to logically, as a grown adult, think, I did not earn this money. This is a lot of money. Maybe I'll just sit on it for a while. So even if you don't proactively call the bank, you know it's not supposed to be there, so why would you spend it immediately? You may end up with the money. You never know. Mistakes happen. Especially in the more digitized world we live in. Obviously, I'm assuming that's how this happened, but like you didn't earn it. It's not yours. You know someone is going to miss eighty-five thousand dollars. Someone might not miss a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, but they're gonna miss eighty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> it's so insane. And so she lives in a world in her head where she's like, I don't know where it came from. All I know is it's mine. Let's get some Gucci, baby. Like, come on. You just you can't, you don't do that. I hope this bitch gets in fucking jail, like just thrown in jail and gets like abused, <laughs> physically abused. That's right. I'm saying it because stupidity, this is like the definition of stupidity and her only defense, her only defense is that it happened to her because she's beautiful, <gasps> which is delusional. <laughs> oh, come on. This is crazy. This is the world we live in. This is crazy. Uh, I guess this is the world Central England lives in, more specifically. Just nuts. I I, I, I don't get it. Like, I would absolutely love to have $85,000 put into my bank account without having to do anything for it. But just be smart about it. And it's just like if you find 20 bucks, stand up, look around, move about your day. Yeah. Like, give it a minute. Is anyone yeah. looking at you? Chances are that's their 20 bucks. You don't have to call <laughs> it out, say, hey, did anybody lose this 20? But yeah. if you stand up and you look around and somebody's looking around on the ground, yeah, chances are you'd be better off in life if you just walk over and say, hey, did you lose this? And You know, another thing, um, how about the, the opposite of that? What about the people who find $20, you know, something so like you're not going to miss this or if you do, it's not going to be that big of a deal amount of money. And they go take it to like a police station and say, I just want to give this to you. Like, I think that's going too far in the other direction. I'm, I, I'm not sure because I can't think of any like real life experience I've had with that. 
I don't know. I guess it's anecdotal for me. I've never I've never known anyone to do that. But it is sort of that every once in a while you're going to hear like, oh, yeah, this guy found a wallet and he took it to the you know, local business and left it there. What do you think they're going to do with it? Like, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. it's great that you're being a good person uh, for you, but whoever you're leaving it with is probably going to steal it. So... I just I don't have that much faith in humanity to think that someone else is going to take care of it better than I am. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, like there's 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 a vending machine at work that often steals people's money, and like the next person that puts money in gets two of whatever they ordered. Mm-hmm. So I've seen like you know two cans of Coke sitting on the t- or a can of Coke sitting on the table saying you know vending machine put out two if this is yours grab it. But and what are the odds that the person who paid for it is the one who grabs it? Really? Seriously. I mean, if people are taking their coworkers labeled food out of the fridge, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be waiting on the free Coke on the table. Oh, my God. That happens. <laughs> that so happens. I know. It's insane. It is absolutely insane. Oh, all right. Well, I, I just thought that was a really crazy take on a crazy woman that, that you could blame your perceived good looks on bad things happening to you. Like... That is so crazy. And it's just a sign of her intelligence that if she got that kind of money, she'd spend it on a purse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 85,000. How how about buying a home? How about putting money in like mutual funds? Really? A purse? Really? That is so great. Like that's your priority. And it even looked, and what was worse is like there there were two photos that were in that article. One of them was... Her with a young girl that I'm just going to assume is a niece, nephew, daughter, something. Yeah, college Not fund, nephew, hello? Yeah, like you have, I mean, you're taking a selfie with this person, so they must be close to you. You find 85 grand, you buy a purse? What about the kid? <laughs> I don't know. It's I would have done it differently. Right. Um, how about this next one? Do you want to do this? Sure. Uh, this is also from the Daily News by uh, Jonathan Turley. Uh, Obama's irresponsible taunt. President increasingly willing to go it alone. The unanimous decision of the Supreme Court last month that President Obama violated the separation of powers in appointing officials is the type of decision that usually concentrates the mind of the chief executive. Obama, however, appeared to double down on his strategy, stating in a Rose Garden speech on Tuesday that he intended to expand, not reduce, his use of unilateral actions to circumvent Congress. Summing up his position, the, con- the president threw down the gauntlet at Congress. So sue me. The moment was reminiscent of George W. Bush's taunting Iraqi insurgents over 10 years ago by saying, bring them on. It was irresponsible bravado from a man who was not himself at, sorry, it was irresponsible bravado from a man who was not himself at the receiving end of IEDs and constant attacks that would go on to cost thousands of military personnel. I imagine some lawyers at the Justice Department might feel the same way about Obama's so sue me taunt. There are those, they are the ones being hammered in federal courts over sweeping new interpretations and unilateral executive actions. The renewed promise to go it alone is familiar refrain from this president. He even pledged to take unilateral action to circumvent Congress in front of both houses in his State of the Union address this year to the curious delight of half of Congress, which applauded wildly at the notion of being made irrelevant. The president was good to his word. When Congress failed to pass the Dream 
the DREAM Act, loosening immigration laws for certain groups, the president ordered the same result unilaterally. His administration also ordered massive changes in Obamacare, from lifting statutory deadlines to exempting classes of businesses to shifting hundreds of millions of dollars from appropriated purposes to other uses. The political slogan of no compromise has migrated into legal strategy with disastrous results. That is precisely what happened in the recess in the re, in the recess appointments decision in NL, NLRB versus Canning. I testified on the president's recess appointments in Congress after they were made and said that the nominations, in my view, were flagrantly unconstitutional. The fact that the administration decided to force a confrontation on such weak case shows not just a lack of judgment, but a cavalier attitude towards the costs and losses, the costs of such losses. While he clearly has the authority to set enforcement priorities in areas like immigration law, Obama has repeatedly stepped well over the line of separation. These acts of defiance of Congress often come with chest-pounding acclaim, but they also come with costs. For example, by violating the Constitution on recess appointments, a huge array of rulings of rulings out of the National Labor Relations Board could be invalid, creating havoc in the area. Likewise, the President's recent loss in the Hobby Lobby case regarding contraception precision provisions of Obamacare will, will require huge changes of, in such coverage. In a case that may be issued any day now in Hablig versus Burwell, the D.C. Circuit could strike down another unilateral policy on tax credits under Obamacare that would mean that the administration wrongly committed billions of dollars without authority. That decision could jeopardize the very viability of healthcare reform. In our system, there is no license to get to go it alone. Rather, the Republic's democratic architecture requires compromise. The process is designed to moderate legislation and create a broader consensus in support of these laws. Losing my breath here. That's right. I think, I mean, you, you pretty much covered uh, the gist of this. Um, I, I really love this article um, because it sort of closes out with this, uh, whether it's sue me or bring it on, presidential taunts tend to play better politically than practically uh, because uh, it speaks to once Obama's out, the next person's in and they could just do the same thing, reversing everything that he did uh, and, and pretty much just pushing whatever agenda that individual wants. Um, it's, it's rough, man, because, you know, th this... Well, first of all, I find myself um, traditionally defending Obama more than um, hammering him. And in this case, and, and I don't know why, it's probably because I, I, I get a lot more articles about Republicans being retarded than um, I'm, I'm reading about Democrats being retarded. And so I, I tend to go opposite of the retards in my commentary. Um, I have a lot of problems with Obama, and this is this is one of them. You have to kind of look at it, and at least I look at it this way, where you're hamstringed as the president. You need to fill vacant positions so that the the um, organization can operate as it should. Um, and there are rulings, there are laws in place allowing him to do this. Um, I read a little bit on the NLRB versus Canning case, and the Supreme Court said that it was legal for him to do that, 
but it was too soon. So he waited three days, whereas it probably should have been a longer space between um, uh, sessions of Congress before he made his uh, decisions to place those people. But the reason why he did that is because he felt he was forced to because every nominee for these open positions for these organizations, government, governmental organizations to run properly were being shot down by every Republican. So he couldn't even get a vote on a potential candidate. So he said, fine, I'm just going to wait for you guys to go into recess and then I'm going to put someone in there. And I'd like to make a point here. He didn't do it until years of fighting had passed. So that being said, every ruling that those people helped create during that times from from appointment and on to now um since the july 4th decision of the supreme court is now open so yeah we could have some serious serious problems with um probably some really controversial legislation uh coming up in in these coming months so my question to you jesse i'm gonna say you're the president congratulations why thank you <laughs> If you're dealing with a party that is um, uh, unwilling to fill a position uh, in an organization, you know you can do this, but do you? Well, uh, this being put someone in on the recess of uh, Congress. Well, I would totally use any, any underhanded method available, but that's me. <laughs> This is this is why you don't want to vote Jesse for president. Um, no, I I I totally get where they're coming from saying that you know this is a bad thing. The balance of powers is is diminishing rapidly. But part of the reason, not the whole reason, but part of the reason it's diminishing is because Congress is saying okay, not all of Congress, but. The Republican half of Congress is saying, okay, this president we will not work with on anything. And by shutting the door down to any kind of compromise or negotiation, they're only leaving the underhanded and the detrimental avenues open to them. So I don't, I mean, I'm, I, I do not care for Obama in any stretch, but on this particular case, I really can't blame the guy. Yeah, we are perpetually <laughs> in contrast politically. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I agree that, you know, it, I probably would do the same thing too. But I like to sometimes look at politics as a game, a game that influence that affects a lot of people's lives every day, but still a game. Um, and when I think of it, if if you're being forced into a corner to do one obvious action, maybe you're being put in the corner to do that obvious action, uh, meaning that Republicans refuse to work with these nominees, forcing him to choose nominees on a, a narrow recess, then contesting it in court, having the Supreme Court tear it down, and maybe I'm giving way too much credit to Republicans, but I mean... Is this what they wanted all along, just to hammer him for doing something that could be construed as illegal? Like, I can't help but think that he just played into someone's hands, you know, as a oh, game. Okay, so, okay, okay. But take that oh, a step further. 
are they both playing into someone's hands who doesn't want to have to pay off congressmen anymore? They just want to be able to buy the president. So they work with both mm. Republicans and Democrats to get them to limit the separation of powers and the balance of power. So the president has it all. So all they have to do is control the president and they control the United States. Oh, shit. That's a lot less money that direction. Oh, shit. Jesse. Bargain Jesse, prices. we need to write a screenplay. Nice. No, that's a good, that's a really good point. And, and what's funny is that it all goes back to to corporate donations and the real people running the system <laughs> and it's not the president and it's not congress it's their their their, their financial backers um yeah that's a really good point i didn't think about that i was i was thinking of like okay well what i would do is hype and hammer the republicans in news outlets uh for doing that and get a universal party uh fight expressing it rather than saying i'm just going to go it alone so i can get it working i would politically attack them back um to the detriment again this is why i'm not in office to the detriment of the people but i you know just rather than being playing into someone else's cards i would i would like to hit back um and and you know rather than being forced a decision choosing my own path and, uh, yeah, politically, trying to politically destroy them. One thing I really hate about this president is that he's tactically a terrible politician. And it leaves you to think either he's politically retarded or he really is just on the take. Like, because it doesn't make sense what he does. If he really wanted reform, he would have gone with the vast majority of the voters and did single payer. But instead, he made it so that insurance agencies are guaranteed patrons. So I can't help but think, okay, well, then he's in the pocket of the people that he's giving money to, you know, providing this unlimited source of income to. Um, so I can't help but think that he is bought. And that drives me crazy. I, I know I'm naive in thinking that there could possibly be a representative of our people that <laughs> has our best interest because that's just illogical but uh proven to be illogical i still like the idea of it <laughs> you know and it, so it infuriates me when i see shit like this and so yeah i mean obviously he had to make appointments he felt like he was backed in a corner and he should make and let's be honest at least for the nlrb from the period of time of nomination to now it was working great so you know congratulations to them for that but now we may be in a lot larger shit mess and Here's the other thing that drives me crazy. If you're going to create a law, just fucking leave the law alone and let it exist unless there's real problems. But making exemptions for organizations, in, in, in the case I'm bringing up here is Obamacare, um, lifting deadlines after they've been made or exempting certain businesses after it's been stated or shifting funding dollars from one place to another, you're asking for trouble. Like... This is already a controversial issue. Why wouldn't you toe the line? Like, God damn it. I, and, you know, on one side of it, you have to say, well, what does he fucking care? He doesn't have another election. He can just push his agenda and there's no real consequence, let's be honest, that he's going to have to face. Um, but it, it does affect everyone else here in some way. 
It's certainly the operation of our government if we can't even have fucking nominees being voted in, thanks Republicans, or for having nominees slipping in in too short of a time frame, thanks Obama, and then having them kicked back out and then all of the rulings up in the air. It's just like a fucking crazy, the worst baseball game ever. Uh, and it's just a nightmare. I don't know. One thing I need to comment on there. Um, yeah. And I have absolutely no evidence whatsoever to back me up on this. But <laughs> it's gonna be good. I have noticed once a person is president of the United States, they don't get a day job afterwards. Yeah, well, I mean, you get your salary for life, I think, right? Yeah, but only a measly $200,000 a year. <laughs> That's true. I would be willing to bet that there are... If you toe the line as president, there are other perks that continue from the people who whose line you were towing. Oh, for sure. I mean, just look at any speech given by any former president. They're paid insane amounts of money. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Absolutely. Um, dinner engagements. Uh, back this candidate, please. Here's an envelope. Uh, yeah, I mean, to to think that they're only going to be making, because their presidential time is done, they're just sort of going to be left alone, is insane. Yeah, they're totally going to be making some crazy cash. So, Obama saying, okay, we'll make exemptions for these businesses, well, maybe he's thinking of his own future when he's doing that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I 100% think that that is the case, absolutely. Um, it's nonetheless frustrating. <laughs> As someone who follows politics a little bit, it drives me mad. Um, irrational, I know, but still. So how about, Jesse, we do a little bit of I Dream of Jesse. This is a really good one. Sounds good to me. Cool. Jesse! What do you want? Well, first, Jesse, I'd, I'd, I'd like you to address me as master. I, I am your master, after all. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, master. That's better. Now, look, I've got guests coming over tonight, and I want you to entertain them. What, do I look like a belly dancer? Oh, I, I assume that was part... I mean, the outfit, it, it kind of suggests... You may be used to dance. Listen, the gin put me in the bottle. He forgot to add the preservatives. Now, the outfit may be wrinkle-free, but what in it ain't. You don't like it? Call the number on the bottle and complain. Shame is an unpleasant emotion that evolved in us for its ability to promote group cohesion. If being part of a cohesive group were still necessary for an individual's day-to-day -day survival, Feeling shame would be fine, but until society falls to pieces and small bands of men need to form to protect themselves and their families, being part of a group isn't something an individual needs. Staying out of groups is far more beneficial. Joining a group means adhering to their ideas. You can't just be in their midst. If you're not conforming, you're an outsider. Socializing with coworkers promotes assimilation. That's why management promotes company outings. Block parties serve the same purpose, as do reunions of any sort. 
But even if the party sounds fun, or even if shooting co-workers with paintball guns sounds fun, you are agreeing to spend time in a group that is made up of individuals not of your choosing. You chose the job, not your co-workers. You chose the apartment, not your neighbors. No one ever chooses his or her classmates. Why would you want to spend any more time with these people than is necessary? Aren't Satanists non-joiners? Now, before you deny ever wanting to spend time in groups like this, consider the possibility that you may be fooling yourself. We evolved as social animals. It is part of our nature to be part of cohesive groups. If you shut yourself away from society, you probably won't be happy, and you definitely won't become much of a magician. So go out into the world and join groups, purposefully. The more control you have over who is in the group, the better. When friends bring their friends, just limit the duration of your involvement with the group, or the frequency of the meetups. Think of getting your groupish needs met like getting your nutritional needs met. You're going to get hungry. If you plan ahead, you can have the fixings for a grilled steak, spicy beans and rice, and a spinach salad for dinner, and then ice cream with fresh strawberries and chopped walnuts for dessert. If you didn't pre-plan, you may find yourself eating peanut butter on crackers and calling it a night. Been there, done that. I've also found myself accepting invitations to hang out with people who are nice enough, but do nothing for me physically, emotionally, or intellectually. Social interaction should be an indulgence. If you completely avoid it, it will become a compulsion. But let's get back to the shame part, because shame only exists because of groups. An individual being an individual is never ashamed of himself or herself. It's only when we're conforming to a group that we feel shame. Fret not. Meeting your groupish needs does not necessarily lead to feelings of shame. It just takes work to avoid it. The trick is to separate your actions from yourself. We all have shortcomings. Being ashamed is the default reaction. Practice instead viewing your shortcomings in terms of how they impact your life or the lives of your loved ones. Let's say you're really socially awkward. The worst thing you could do would be to down yourself when you're behaving awkwardly. It's just going to make you more awkward. If instead you can sort of mentally step out of yourself and think, I told a joke badly and now other people are embarrassed for me and that's making them want to get away from me. This is not helping me get laid. Being analytical like that about it might keep you calm enough to see the solution. Brush off the bad joke with a shrug and say, sorry, no one ever confused me for a comedian. Contrast that with what happens if you think, I told that joke badly and now everyone wants to get away from me. I suck. If you think you suck, you aren't going to be able to brush off an awkward moment. And you know when an awkward moment ends? When you brush it off. It's that signal you give to other people that says, I'm okay, carry on. That's what releases the tension. If you think you suck, or if you think you're awesome, ask yourself by what standards you're making that judgment. Is it by comparison to other people? If so, then you're competing with other people, and to compete, you have to be part of a group. Let's say you're a landscaper, and one day you notice there's another landscaper working some houses near one of your clients. Now you find yourself competing for business. You might say you're not in a group with this other landscaper. Perhaps you've never even met the guy. But you are in a group with him. You're in the group of landscapers that service that particular area. Want out of the group? Then pretend the landscaper doesn't exist and just compete against your past self, continuously improving your performance. But Jesse, that's bad for business. Fine, then stay in the group, but recognize that in doing so, you're conforming to its rules. 
He drops his prices, you're going to have to drop yours. Group mentality can label a person good or bad, but when you think of your actions only in terms of the degree to which the action's outcome makes you happier or healthier, then calling yourself good or bad doesn't even make sense. Even the action itself is no longer good or bad. It's either profitable or costly. Practice this line of thinking, and the next time you hear someone talking about morality, you'll be looking at them like they have three heads. Here's another tip for living shamelessly inside of groups. Don't brag. Praise is enslavement, because it feels so good, and we want more of it, and to get it we must conform. Praising someone sounds like it should be the opposite of shaming them, but it's just the other barrel of the same gun. So keep your successes to yourself, unless publicizing them brings further opportunities for success. And don't try to stand out as an individual. Most people are trying to stand out as individuals. To quote the Jedi Master, Try not. Do or do not. There is no try. By the way, did you see what I just did there? I quoted a wildly popular, totally hokey 30-year-old movie with probably one of the worst Yoda impressions you'll ever hear. My purpose was not to make you laugh or to give a shout out to all the Star Wars fans out there. My purpose was to remind myself that I'm pretty hokey, dated, and mainstream, and if I try to pass myself off here as some wizened, satanic magician know-it-all, I'll only be seeking praise and conforming in exactly the same way I'm trying to advise you against. So let's say you've gotten yourself into the very profitable habit of judging your actions by their efficacy rather than judging yourself by social standards. Well now how are you going to join groups? Because remember, you have groupish needs. Groups don't suffer outsiders. So you've either got to be one with the group for a short time, like, say, being a team player for a softball game, or you've got to find a way to stay on the edge of the group. The best way I've found to do the latter is to be silly. Be just weird enough or just roguish enough to be an amusement to the group. They will let you in. Do it right and they might love you and live through you vicariously. Be seen as being unable, not unwilling, to conform. If they think you're looking down on them, they will despise you. They will despise you because they too have shortcomings. And you're looking down at them means you know they have shortcomings. And when they know that you know that they have shortcomings, guess what emotion that prompts? Shame. Don't shame people unless you want them to know they are your enemy. If you want them to allow you into the group long enough to get your groupish needs met, you have to avoid shaming them. And the best way to do that is, well, not to be so judgmental. That may sound a little bit Christian, but if it works, I don't care where else it's written. Judging people often implies a bit of competition with them, which again means you are in the group and conforming. The way to stop judging people is to live and let live. Focus on your actions and the varying degrees to which your actions are helping or hurting your own welfare. Living in groups without feeling shame takes practice. When you stumble, pick yourself up with the following reminder. You are never the problem. You are always the only person who can solve the problem. All right, so Jesse, how can people find you online? Well, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Damned Lucky, or they can read my blog, which is... Um, drafts from a satanic windbag at wordpress.com or they can email me at idojesse at gmail.com Alright people shoot her an email, check out her blog check out her twitter feed and uh, let her know, you know how much you love what she's doing I get 
tons of comments from all of you saying how happy you are. Uh, push them over to her as well. I'm sure she would love to hear it because I don't tell her anything. <laughs> it's a secret. Pe- people say they're happy? What? Huh? <laughs> yeah, they, they like you. They, they like people me. like you. I'm they sorry to really, tell you now. They really like me. <laughs> they really do. All right, let's do a little old Nick Peep show and close this thing out. Welcome to another Old Nick Peep Show, the only segment that delivers beautiful women, masculine men, and intriguing information on all things Old Nick. Joining us, as always, is the very beautiful first Old Nick chick, which Marilyn Mansfield and her handsome beau, senior editor, Warlock Zoth Amog. How are both of you? Hello. How are you, Adam? Hi, we're doing well, thank you. How are you? Sweet. I am doing well as well, except for the blistering heat. Oh, yeah. We're we're in New York City. We're well aware of the heat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the only way to cool down is with liquor, I think. <laughs> I got you probably. Yeah. <laughs> so it's nice. been a month. It's been a month. Let's let's chat. What's going on, old Nick? Yeah, we got some um, exciting stuff in the works for the um, upcoming summer issue, which will be Ooh. available, I believe, the end of August around... Yeah, sometime next month. Yeah. Uh, we Very got some cool. cool stuff happening, some new uh, people involved. And, uh, well, we no. could hint a little bit at what's going to happen. Yeah, happened. we can hint know. a little bit. We can hint We're not going to give away all the goods, but... Um, yeah, yeah, hey, I'd I like a little uh, nip <laughs> slip, if it were. We'll oh. give a little peep show. <laughs> Speaking of nip slip, ah. have your porn star, Nikki Nova. Yeah, Nikki Nova. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. she's going to be featured in the next issue. She's like a uh, goth, gothic, uh, like gothic uh, erotic... Uh, Porn. Arch, I like to call it. All right, what, okay. Rudy, nip snips. Okay, yeah. And we're also going to have um, erotic uh, contributions from Reverend Fleshinger, Ooh. Um, who will be contributing some sort of erotic material. Secret, secret, but, you Reverend know, Andre, we can yeah. hint, uh-huh, hint on that. Hell yeah. And then, yeah. you know, um, Edward Lee's werewolf uh, story will be continued in the next issue. Because we kind of left you hanging in the last one, so you'll get to <laughs> continue that one. And, you know, of course, many, many more Nick chicks in there showing their stuff. There's also the, uh, there's an old Nick review oh, on right, right. A, um, a Canadian um, yeah. horror uh, erotic movie called Sexcula. Sexcula? Sexcula. <laughs> Sexcula. Kind of like Dracula, but, you know, Sexcula. Oh, I, oh. Combining some of my two favorite things. Yeah. I just pulled an Archie Bunker saying that wrong. <laughs> you, uh, eat it. <laughs> yeah, ding bat. <laughs> I, I think I, I wrote it down in my notes, and then I think I wrote it like that. That's why. Well, you know. What? They'll have to pick up the next issue to see exactly how it's pronounced. Yeah. And what the or hell, watch the film. Or so. what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Google any phonetic pronunciation you can think of. You'll you'll probably run into yeah. it sooner or later. French Canadian. Yeah, porn. it's a French Canadian movie. So, and the <laughs> full review of it in the next issue, the summer issue, which should be out sometime next month. Uh, if you take I'm back the track and put in sex, 
in Google Learning. Drek, you love six, you love. You're killing me. <laughs> I think that is some of the sexiest erotica in the world. Like, just, I, I don't know where it comes from for me personally, but just blood and sex for some reason oh, is kind yeah. of sexy to me. I, I, I feel the same. Like, vampire stuff, and you know, I mean, it's to me, it's very erotic, you know. But, Meat uh, locker porn. <laughs> There was actually a, a TV show, a TV show, a movie that was, I don't, it was definitely over a decade ago. I think it was John Carpenter. But there's like this opening sequence where this vampire was like taking a shower or it was this girl taking a shower and like blood was drenching all over her body. And it was like tight in like, you know, revealing shots, nothing porno, but just, you know, cleavage and belly and stuff. And it was with blood running down. It was so goddamn sexy like that. That made it to my bank for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. I have the whole blood uh, erotic thing, too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I guess well, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to uh, to that. And then how did... Oh, gosh. I, I hope there's some information about uh, the new gal that's making a feature in the magazine. That's going to be great. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there will be. Nicky Nova. I always like those little. Is it is it the editor that writes those little uh, creative? Um, I'm gonna call them blurbs, but they're just like these little notes on each yeah. photo yeah. of the centerfolds. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> is there ever any input on those? Do you, I mean, because you know, obviously, there. I think that would be one of the more fun things for me. Like, obviously, it's really great looking at the beautiful women. I would have a lot of fun writing up those <laughs> notes. Yeah, well, you know. Everything involved in old Nick, I have to admit, is fun. So, I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, it's a nudie mag, and there's nothing, like, <laughs> bad about it. It's not like, oh, oh, I have to, you know, work on that nudie mag today. But, yeah, gosh, I'm going to look at some beautiful women again. It's never oh. boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, that's cool. Well, okay, so we're looking at the end of August. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a nice way to heat up the summer in the heat of the summer even more. <laughs> Which means there's still time for those of you out there who want to get your ads in yep. the latest issue that is coming. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was going to ask you about that. What, uh, what What's the best email for anyone who wants to get an ad in? Um, The, the best email is info at oldnickmagazine.com. You know, um... I mean, I can't, I can't rave enough about the ads because they're really, really great prices and you get like, you know, I mean, the magazine is really like well, high magazine, quality. Yeah, it's yeah. high quality print pages it's, and everything. It is, so it is. Your ad's going to look good regardless mm -hmm. of, you know, size. But yeah. There are great prices available still, lots of space, always space available. You know, we can negotiate um, deals regarding on your uh, financial limitations. And um, definitely write to info at oldnickmagazine.com and, you know, put ad space in the uh, title of the message and inquire, inquire, inquire. I mean, and there's, there's ads starting at, what, like 50 bucks for like a smallest? Yeah, we have like quarter page ads, half page ads, full yeah, page and, ads, back covers, inner covers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you reach thousands of consumers, you know, and, and now it, Old Nick... You know, with social media readers. and all, it has so many more uh, readers and things. Yeah. Like 10,000. That's amazing. 10,000 readers per issue. Yeah. So, and it's, I think it should be more now because that was like a couple years ago. Well, you know, that, that's our press kit 
quote, but I'm sure with social media and, you know, sharing and, you know, reposting and all of that, there's, there's definitely opportunity there for those numbers to be actually larger. I mean, I get, yeah. I get, I get like Twitter messages almost every day saying, wow, I, I, you know, just discovered this magazine, Yeah. you know, for, for like, I mean, of course, all, you know, uh, COS uh, members know about it and all, but like people, you know, just, just people on Twitter or whatever that happen to see uh, a post or something, they're like, wow, this magazine's awesome. You know, uh, yeah. horror fans, you know, uh, people who are into more, you know, gothic stuff, all kinds of people are just like, wow, this thing is awesome. Why did I not know? Oh. You know? <laughs> That's, and I got to say, I, I get that with, with this um, podcast as well, where you get these really fantastic people finally finding out about it through either word of mouth or social media of some sort. And then when they read it or when they in this case hear it um you know for old nick they read it and they just become crazed mad fans like they devour the issues and then they go to the past issues and relive all of those and so i and my point of bringing this up because i, I was just thinking about this as you're talking when you purchase an ad it's not as if it just runs that one magazine well it does run that one magazine but it, it has a life that's beyond the release of that magazine. Right. So when you have people down the road that are reading these newer issues, they do go back, purchase the older issues, and see your ad again. So it gets it gets this sort of infinite life, uh, you know, just promoting your business, whatever it may be. Um, are there any? And I'm I'm always kind of curious. Do you think that there are any cases? Where you would just be like, you know what? No fucking way am I going to advertise that in this. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, that's ultimately up to, you know, um, Bob. But I don't think, um, you know, we're, we're, I think we're very open-minded when it comes to, you know, what you're advertising. I mean, he's advertised all kinds of stuff from music to products to, you know, just people, um, banks, yeah. you know, yeah. things like that. So. I mean, I don't, I can't think of anything, uh, someone that would want to advertise like maybe like their, their grandmother's knitted crosses or something. I don't think they would <laughs> write to old Nick about advertising. That would be the best. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Grandmama's knitted crosses. Whatever. I don't even know how you would knit a cross, but oh. I just came up with something random. Yeah. Well, it could be a cross cover, and then our, the audience could just uh, buy it and put it on their upside down cross <laughs> to keep it, it protected. Cross crochet cross sock. Yeah. I don't know. That was just wacky. Can you? But um, yeah, I, I was always kind of just wondering that. Like, I would love to, you know, just that one really whacked out like evangelical person that's like no it really is a good idea to promote in porno magazines we can yeah. we can bring in some sinners we can save you yeah and they're just like getting the request i don't i don't think so Question, no. i don't know um all money's green <laughs> that's, that's actually a really good point magazine. <laughs> yeah. all right well where can the audience... Okay, so once again, the, the email address, that's info at oldnickmagazine.com, correct? Right. Yeah. All right, so if, if you're interested in sharing your business, your personal hobbies, whatever it is, whatever the website may be, uh, whatever your, your uh, passions are, shoot an email off to info at oldnickmagazine. And uh, for... I, I, you'd mentioned something about like like starting at 
fifty dollars or or uh, you know around there. Yeah. That's insane. I like I, I I work in the ad agency industry and that is so crazy affordable. It's unbelievable. So, I mean, with a subscriber base and uh, you know that's a little dated at ten thousand, knowing that it's grown since then with social media and word of mouth, it is a huge potential audience to promote your project or your business. I don't, I don't know why anyone wouldn't do that. I mean, one of the, one of the old sayings um, uh, about why businesses fail during the recent um, uh, economic struggles we were going through, uh, the Great Recession, was that, you know, as with any sort of depression era, it's advertising. The adver- people who were willing to pay for their, to advertise their product or their business, uh, they succeed, everyone else falls off the face of the earth. They literally, their businesses go out because no one hears about them. Right. And it's it's during those times that you must advertise. So, you know, coming from an ad background, if you have a business or if you're selling something, you have to advertise or how can you expect anyone to even know you exist? So do yourselves a favor and contact Old Nick Magazine. Um, it's, it's a really fantastic venue uh, to promote that. And not to mention, like, you know, like, uh, Marilyn and Zoth here have been saying it's it's a really high quality product. It's uh, and obviously it's filled with some beautiful stuff. Beautiful girls, love it. <laughs> Nothing better than that. <laughs> so, aside from the email, where can people find you online? Um, at the site, of course, oldnickmagazine.com. Uh huh. And we're on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and uh, <laughs> Google Plus. And geez, just about anywhere and everywhere that you could possibly think to look for Old Nick Magazine. Just Google it and you'll find us. Oh, yeah. Well, Zoth and Marilyn, it is an absolute pleasure once again. I hope uh, it's all ours, as always. <laughs> thanks. Well, I hope we can talk again soon. And uh, until we can, hail Satan. I'm going to get back to my knitting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that cross sock. Hail, hail Satan. Satan. All right, that's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Visit the Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 Cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. I've gotten a number of people uh, reaching out in social networking and emailing me saying that they don't see any episodes after the 22nd of July. So there's been one episode, and now two, since the 22nd, I'm sorry, of June, since the 22nd. And if you're having trouble finding it, look at YouTube, look at the website. I update it every single week. Um, I, like, ironically, religiously update it every Monday morning. Like, it's part of my weekly process. So it will be there. If you don't see it in your RSS feed, then definitely check the website, 9centspodcast.com. 
dev and scroll down. It's not just a one. I know some people have seen that one little frame and think that that's the whole website. You can actually scroll down on the website. There's a lot of information there. Um, or check the YouTube channel or check um, Stitcher or Spotify. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you guys can connect with us. And if you still have problems, let me know. Shoot me an email as you have. Reach out to me in social media as you have, and I will answer them on a case-by-case basis. Uh, I'm doing this, we, collectively, I'm sorry, not just me, are doing this uh, for your benefit, hopefully, and to entertain you, hopefully. And uh, yeah, it's weekly, so check it out. Uh, check, uh, you can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents. And for those of you who left a rating and comment on iTunes, I really appreciate it and I would like some more. So if you are on iTunes and you haven't left me a rating or comment, you don't have to leave a comment, but give me a rating. It's not going to say who rated it. So if you're worried about showing up on a satanic podcast, uh, that should alleviate your concerns. Just click the Five star <laughs> and uh, we'll be good if you'd like to learn more about the church of satan visit churchofsatan.com and remember that the only way we're going to continue this podcast assuming you're actually getting the updated episode is if you tell a friend share nine cents i love seeing those twitter tweets i should have just said tweets and i love getting the comments on facebook about the episodes and on youtube keep it up people and once again thank you for joining me and as always i'm your host adam cannibal <laughs> cannibal i am a cannibal being joined by the lovely the I'm so good looking I could get arrested for buying a Gucci bag Jesse <laughs> it's true and until next week hail Satan hail Satan Bye. Uh-huh.